Welcome to That Anthro Podcast, the podcast dedicated to anthropology. Together, each week, we will be learning from the experts and researchers that are researching our pasts and today's problems. My name is Gabriella Campbell, and I'll be interviewing a new guest each week to bring to you the latest and greatest in anthropology, based right here out of Santa Barbara. Join me for weekly episodes, whether you're an anthropology buff or looking to learn something new. Welcome to That Anthro Podcast. And now, a word about the sponsor of our podcast, Anchor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of That Anthro Podcast. As you noticed, we didn't do an episode last week. I needed a little break. And going forward, I'm going to kind of see how the quarter goes because I'm about to start my third year as an undergrad at UC Santa Barbara. And obviously, with things being online, I'm not sure how much time people will have to record the podcast. So, I'm going to try and keep to a schedule of posting every week on Wednesdays, however, so that I can give you the best quality episodes with guests that can fit it into their schedule. Sometimes we may do bi-weekly episodes, but I promise I'm doing my best. Today's guest is Ivana, a UCSB alum who is now working on her MA in Forensics and biological anthropology at Texas State. She was so kind to record with me today from Texas. I'm very appreciative. And today we talk all about craniometrics, her thesis, her experiences at UCSB, what she misses, what labs she worked in, and more. Also, throughout the episode, we discuss a lot about operation identification. So I'm going to have their Instagram and their link linked below so you guys can check them out. Great program. And and please enjoy the episode with Ivana. Hi, Ivana. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. How are you doing? Hi, Gabby. Yes, thank you for having me. Um, I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing good. We're having a heat wave here, so I'm, I'm warm, but happy to be talking to you. You graduated from UCSB in 2016 with your BA in Biological Anthropology, and now you're working on your MA at Texas State. Could you tell our listeners a little bit more about what you're studying there and what drew you to do grad school there? Yes. So, yes, I did my undergrad at UCSB, graduated in 2016. I got my BA in bioanth and then I got a minor in education because initially I thought I wanted to go into more like a teacher setting. And um, I took a break after graduating in 2016 to kind of get a better idea of what I wanted to focus on. And so I was looking to graduate programs, but I was also doctor, I was also working with Dr. Curran in um, field schools in Peru. And they were mainly bioarch field schools. So I I already knew I was interested in bioarch, but I think um, it was in my last year um, 
I don't know if Santa Barbara still has like the capstone anthropology classes that we you don't. have to take. Oh, okay. I saw you mention that and I was like, oh, I wonder what that is. We definitely don't have it anymore. Yeah. So in 2016, it was my last year in Santa Barbara and we, we had to take uh, two different classes. I think the first one was um, like the process of applying to grad school. I think it was, they were like trying it out, whether like they were going to keep it or not. I guess they mm-hmm. didn't keep it. Um, so we, um, the first class was like applying to NSF opportunities or uh, any grants and scholarships that you may have the opportunity to apply to during grad school. Mm-hmm. And then working on your personal statement and looking into schools that you would be interested in for the graduate program. Um, so that kind of like sparked my interest, but I knew I didn't want to go into a grad program right away. I wanted to take some time. And during that class, I, um, I looked into Texas State and um, I was talking to Dr. Curran about other programs that I could potentially um, go into because I knew I wanted to go into forensics. Um, I grew up in a border town, so I knew I wanted to work with the migrant community. Um, so that was kind of where my interests were at. And then um, once I got more bio arts and field experience um, and I looked into the schools, I saw Texas State. And I saw the program that they had and the facilities that they um, that they have on campus, part of the Forensic Anthropology Center. Um, so they have the Forensic Anthropology Research Facility, and then they have the Osteology Processing and Researching Lab, and then they have um, the regular Forensic Anthropology Lab that um, we are allowed to use to like go study the bones and stuff. That's so cool. Have you enjoyed uh, getting to use the facilities there? Yes. So I was very fortunate in my first year. So last year, I was able to get a position as a GRE, a graduate research assistant, uh, working okay. at the Orpo lab, which is osteologic, osteological research and processing lab. Sorry. <laughs> um, so I was able to work there. And um, Texas State has the World Body Donation Program. So I don't know if you've heard of them. Uh, Tennessee has one. I think USF has one, too. Um, and then there's a couple across the country as well. Um, but basically, um, you you can either be like a living donor, so you donate your body to the research facility, or you can be a next of kin donor. So like if you were to pass away, but your family knew you had interest in being donated to the program, mm-hmm. you can um, join the program that way. Um, so then the, uh, the donations are used for research purposes, and then they're um, uh, laid out in the decomposing area, which is a uh, the Forensic Anthropology Research Facility. And after they're decomposed and um, they're pretty much skeletal, they're taken into the osteology orpo lab. And um, that's where I was working at. So I got to process donations and then um, macerate and process, and I got to label them as well. Was that an interesting process? I, I thought it was an interesting experience. I had never experienced anything like that. So it was definitely like something um, that I thought was pretty, it was pretty interesting. I thought, um, just seeing the whole process and stuff like that. Um, yeah. You're able to volunteer as a graduate student there. And um, a lot of undergraduate volunteers participate in, in it as well because there's a lot of donations that so we need as many hands as possible. But um, it was a great experience for me. Yeah, it sounds like a really good educational opportunity. Something else you mentioned to me was the Operation Identification Program. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, so Operation Identification was started in, I believe, 2013 by Dr. Kate Bradley. And um, so they do, every year they, they go out and do exhumations in the um, South Texas border uh, because Texas, uh, I think Texas is 94% private property. So they have to get like all these permissions and requests. Um, 
to go and look, um, sorry, um, to go and exhume the body. So they have to go and contact the, so they go out into uh, like request access with the funeral homes and they have a whole like program, um, a system where they work with people down at the border and they're able to exhume the, the remains of migrants that were, that died in the process of um, trying to cross from the, from the Mexico side out to the U.S. side. That's really interesting. It's something I had never even known that that was an area where there are a lot of remains. Is it um, across the whole border? Is it, or are there more specific areas? Yes. So um, uh, Operation Identification focuses only on the South Texas border, um, but they are, they do work together with um, the Colibri Center and the Pima Medical Office of the Coroner Center, PCOME, Pima County uh, Office of the Medical Examiners in Arizona. So I think those are the two major ones that work. I don't think there's one in California, not that I'm aware of. Um, Yeah, I haven't seen any. um, I know there's like certain nonprofits that work with migrants, Mm -hmm. um, but not necessarily migrant remains. I think they're usually, um, the majority of them are in Arizona and up ID in Texas. Yeah, and uh, is that part of what led you to Texas State? Was Was that program? Yes. So um, when I looked into, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, because you mentioned earlier that you you want you're from a border town, and so um, were you. You initially did you find that out, or were you kind of you've always known that? Um, no. So I've always been interested in since I'm from a border town. I've always been interested in working with migrants, and I like grew up um, in the migrant community. My family like always um, helped out in Tijuana or in San Diego because I'm from San Diego. Um, so we'd always do that. And so I kind of wanted to incorporate both of my interests of forensic anthropology and my like migrant humanitarian aid side. And um, I think I kind of Googled like um, migrant like projects or something working mm-hmm. with human remains um, and Texas State came up and that's when I like got interested in it. That's so cool. Yeah, it's definitely one of a kind. <laughs> yeah. And um, what are some of, going back to your time at UCSB, what are some of your best memories from living in Santa Barbara and some of the labs you did undergraduate research in? Um, Yes, so I actually had a couple of internships in my undergrad at UCSB. I think they were mainly um, my junior and uh, senior year of college. Um, And so I entered at the UCSB repository in Oshuary. I did that for a couple semesters. And then I um, interned with um, Dr. Gervin's project as well. I think it's the Life and... Yeah, the Chumani Life and Health History Project. Yes, Yes, that one. Um, So I interned with that, and I actually was able to do a side project and a poster presentation at the UCSB Undergraduate Colloquium. Oh, that's great. Um, Yes, it was my first poster. uh, Definitely a learning experience. But um, yeah, it was great that I was able to present there. Um, And I also had a, a brief internship with uh, Dr. Vander Walker. Um, I was helping out a fellow student with their thesis project. What are some of your best <laughs> memories from your time at UCSB? Oh, um, some of my best memories are the beach, of course. Here in Texas, I don't have mm-hmm. access to the beach anymore. Um, uh, Freebirds, of course. I don't know if you've yes. been, but <laughs> it's a staple. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I kind of miss the bike lanes as well, like the craziness of everything, just having to get to one class from one side of the campus to the other. Yeah, it's a very, very vibrant, always moving campus. There's always stuff going on. 
Yes. I'm I'm scared yeah. to walk my dog on campus because I'm worried someone's going to run over her. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I don't know if I would do that. Yeah. Uh, so I'd love to learn more about what your MA program entails. Um, I'm also going to be applying for graduate school next year. So I'm definitely personally interested, but I'm sure everyone else would find it interesting as well. Like what kind of classes do you take and what are, is it what you imagined? Because I feel like forensics, because of all the television shows and kind of the popularity of it, there's, I know I have a certain like image in my brain from like bones or things. And I kind of, am just curious what, what it's like in reality and what your experiences have been with it. I'd love to hear. Yes. So um, the, the good thing about Texas State is that the program is very structured. You can um, look up the, I think the basic like MA program mm-hmm. and um, the, so the, the core schedule is that you take certain classes, certain semesters, and um, you always have to take um, cultural, cultural anthropology seminar, bio, um, biological anthropology seminar and an archeology span seminar. So you take, um, at least for the forensics program, you have to take, um, actually, I think everyone takes the cultural anthropology seminar the first semester. And then um, we get to take a research design class as well. So we can um, come up with the idea of our thesis and see exactly what we want to focus on for the next two years. And um, I think that was our first semester. And you take statistics your first semester. And then your second semester, Oh, sorry. Yes, because it's a semester system, not a quarter yes, system. Yes, that's a big difference. Yes. Um, thankfully, I had some time in between, so I like kind of forgot about the quarter system and went into the semester system. But yeah, it might be quite kind of a change when you start looking into MA programs. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so we take those classes, and then you take skeletal methods your first year as well. You take um, an elective, and then you're also uh, taking biological anthropology seminar. And then you're your second year is when you take your thesis classes. So you're, um, ideally you're supposed to collect the data in the summer and then you start writing your thesis in the fall and in the spring semesters. But you're also taking um, skeletal methods too. And then um, uh, you're able to take uh, any electives as well in the spring. Very interesting. Um, what has your experience been like with professors and everything? Um, it's been good. I really like the professors here at Texas State. Um, they're always very busy, but um, they're just like an email away. Yeah. So you're always able to contact them and then they'll get back to you as soon as they can. Um, my advisor is very nice. He's very um, open to other opportunities and different um, like hands-on experience that you can get. Um, so that that's really great. That's great. Have you decided on your thesis project? Yes, so my thesis project, um, I'm supposed to be looking at craniometric differences in South American countries. Um, so I wanted to focus specifically on Peru, Brazil, and Colombia. And um, I had it all planned out that I was going to go collect my data, <laughs> and then COVID happened. Yes. So right now I'm trying to work on getting access to existing uh, craniometric databases. Um, so I can work off of that, but... It's a work in progress. That's great. Well, hopefully things will transition back so that maybe you could go do that work. What drew you to this specifically to those three countries? Yes. So I, when I was talking to my advisor about what I wanted to do for a thesis project, I knew I wanted to have it like kind of um, 
related to migrant work mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So um, I, we were like talking about different ideas that we could do, that I could do. And um, I knew I wanted to do craniometrics because I wanted to focus on that. Would you mind and explaining I, craniometrics for some of our listeners that maybe don't know what it is? Oh, yes, sorry. So there's um, different landmarks on the crania and then um, you're collecting the measurements and taking different points of those. And you can either do it like 2D where you like hand do it, mm -hmm. and then you can do it with a 3D with the microscope digitizer. So you like just touch the landmarks that you need and it calculates the measurements for you. Um, that's just the brief description, yeah, thank but you. um, you're welcome. It helps you, um, it's good for determining ancestry mm -hmm. and other stuff, but the stuff, what I wanna look at is um, different variations between South American countries so that um, so it can possibly to, to see if it can aid in migrant identification. Um, so if there's any differences between the countries I'm interested in or like Mexico or other countries where we already have data from. That's extremely interesting. Is the, um, is this is has there been a lot of work in that area? That sounds new to me. Um, Yes, I believe there's quite a bit of work. Um, uh, craniometrics are also done in bioarchaeology yeah. work, um, so um, it's not it's not a very new or exciting topic. But um, I guess I'm in the relation to migrants. That that oh, is really interesting. How you know applying it to when you're identifying along in border towns, uh, trying to determine which countries they're. Yes, so um, I know there's have been a lot of craniometric studies done uh, in Mexico Guatem and Guatemala. I think that's what the um, the Fortis database has right now. And so I want, I kind of wanted to expand the reference data that's used for the Hispanic population yeah. uh, or the Hispanic category that is in the ancestry estimations. So that was my, that's my goal. I think that's what something I would like to focus on. Yeah. But. We'll see. And um, I meant to ask this earlier, but for operation identification, have you um, have you been able to go into the field with them and do excavation work? Um, no, it's usually I think the second year. Oh, okay. I, so I personally haven't been able to go yet. Um, we'll see if we can go this year based off of COVID. Yeah. Um, yes, but no, I've seen what they've done and I've worked in the lab area with them, but um, not necessarily out in the field. But actually there's a, a Vice did an uh, episode on operation identification. If you guys wanna go check it out, I believe it's on their YouTube page. Oh, that's so cool. I'll make sure to link it in the description. I'll get that link from you. Yes, so, yeah, so it focuses on, um, I think Dr. Spadley gives a, a nice um, description of what is done and what, what that project entails as well. Great. Well, lastly, um, I'd just like to ask if you have any tips for your fellow college students that are applying to grad schools or even just some words of encouragement for those of us that are terrified. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't be terrified. It's a process. Um, it might be a little lengthy, but um, you'll definitely get to see like what interests you have. And then I think the main thing I feel when you're applying to grad school is like you don't necessarily have to your, your interests don't have to align exactly with the professor you wanna work with. Like you can always learn from them and make like your own decisions or not your own decisions. You can always um, incorporate your own interests into what the professor's interests are as well. So you're kind of like bringing something new to the table that they can work with. I think that would make you stand out in application as well. Good to hear. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking with me today. Um, 
I hope you have a great rest of your day and I'll make sure to, we'll have things linked below for everyone. So catch you guys next time. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 